Welcome to the Happy Nervous System Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Delahook. What we know about mental health is rapidly changing, and I help you stay up to date on the major paradigm shifts from dating to love to parenting. Get ready to learn about your body, regulate your nervous system, and improve your life and relationships with ease. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Happy Nervous System Podcast. This is episode 15, and today we are diving into basically the science behind why having a happy nervous system is so important and truly how to add years to your life. I share about a really exciting study um, that followed the different groups across the planet where they live the longest or live to be a hundred. So this is a super fun episode. Can't wait to get started. I have been having so much fun recording these episodes and starting this podcast and I hope it's fun to listen and that you're really gaining some knowledge. So if this podcast has been meaningful to you and if you're enjoying it, please rate and write a review. It really helps this podcast spread as we, you know, all work together to spread mental health awareness across the world. Super, super fun. Alrighty, let's do it. Just a quick warning. I am about to leave on vacation for a few weeks. I really wanted to record this podcast before I go so that I'm staying on target with releasing a new episode every Tuesday. My neighbors are doing some intense construction, so there's a little break right now, so I'm jumping in and recording this, but just a fair warning, there might be some noise in the background. Alrighty, let's talk about how to live longer. Where to start? So this study, it was led by Dan Buettner. And they, he teamed up um, with a few other researchers and they grouped up with National Geographic to discover pockets of people across the world with the highest life expectancy or with the highest proportions of people who reach age 100. I always find this kind of work so interesting, but especially when it's a research study because obviously a lot of time and commitment and protocols were put in place to really measure these pockets across the world. And it is just so fascinating to me. Something uh, that they discovered, and there's a few different articles linking to this, but they discovered that it's about 20% of our genes that predict how long we'll live and our overall health and 80% lifestyle. These numbers got me really excited because I think we can get too comfortable blaming our genes or blaming our families for how how we are, but they found it was 80% lifestyle, so that's really, really good news. And I think another reason why this study really got me so excited is because it really validates my work and my mission of why it's so important to have a happy nervous system. It really does matter. It helps people live longer. And it's just really important to better understand what goes into a happy nervous system 
and they break it down into nine different areas. So if this is a topic that is interesting to you, hang in there with me. I'll go through the nine um, different areas. They call it the power nine that all of these pockets of people had. And if you are interested in what the five places um, that they found met the criteria, one cracks me up, but the first one is Sardinia, Greece, Costa Rica, a group of Seventh-day Adventists here in Loma Linda, California. That one completely shocked me. And the final one is Okinawa, Japan. So these were the five places that met their criteria. And again, everyone here lived a lot longer compared to other parts of the world, or on average, they lived to be until 100. So what are the nine areas? And they call it the Blue Zones Power Nine, Lifestyle Habits of the World's Healthiest, Longest Lived People. And if you want more information on this study or just to dive into it yourself, they have a website dedicated to the Blue Zone study. It's bluezoneswithas.com. Number one, move naturally. So they were saying that the world's longest lived people don't have any kind of gym membership. They don't even dedicate time during their day to work out or to get fit. The emphasis is on movement that's enjoyable, things that they enjoy to do, and they don't have, um, they stated, mechanical conveniences for work, whether it was in their yard or in the house. So they just naturally moved their bodies throughout the day and incorporated a lot of activities that were just naturally motivating and naturally rewarding, such as gardening. This one's really, really, really big because especially in, I think, in Western culture, and I live in LA, so the, the workout culture here is insane. But when we look at intense workouts and what it does to the body, it stresses the nervous system. Now, I want to speak to bioindividuality. Please remember that every single body is so different and for some people, for whatever reason, and a big part of it is their genetics, working out intensely with a ton of weight and really getting in that cardio feels really good, and it does make their nervous system feel happy. But I think for most of us, engaging in a workout routine and trying to keep up with this insane workout culture it's truly doing more harm than good and stressing our bodies. So this first one is just so important, and I think we can do a better job at learning to engage in exercise or movement that we enjoy. When we enjoy something, our brain and our bodies feel safe, and we have a happy nervous system. It's so important. All right, number two, having a purpose. So every single pocket that they studied, this looked a little bit different, but overall it was just knowing your sense of purpose and waking up really knowing like what your purpose is that day. And they were saying this is, it can add up to seven years of extra life expectancy. This one surprised me, but when we again look at the nervous system, I want you to think about the mornings where you wake up 
and you have a million to-dos, but you're not quite sure what is most important, what direction you want to go in. Maybe you're thinking of a business to start, but you never really do it. Or if you're a parent or you have a family and there's just too many things going on, that sends major signals of threat to the brain. But waking up instead where you know exactly like what your purpose is on this planet and you remind yourself of that and then that belief or that mantra just naturally guides the day, our bodies are not going to shift into fight or flight. We won't need this extra adrenaline to try to figure it out or change our mind. So this one's also really important and definitely involves the nervous system. Number three, downshift. I loved this one. I'm a big napper. So this one made me feel really good. So with this, they said that people in the blue zones even experience stress. So everyone experiences stress, even the happiest people who live the longest. We all know what stress can do to the body. Basically, it's linked to every major age, you know, related disease and illness. But what people in these pockets did is they downshifted, especially in the afternoon. So it looked different for every group, but the Okinawans, I'm so sorry for mispronouncing that, they take a few moments each day to remember their ancestors. The group of Adventists, they prayed. Another group, they took naps and Sardinians did happy hour. Woo, I love that one. But this is just a beautiful example that feeling joy and doing something that reconnects you to purpose, to slowing down, to slowing down that adrenaline, the cortisol that pumps through us throughout the day, it makes a huge difference. And Notice here that none of these areas are exercise or anything that would amp the nervous system. All of these activities down-regulate the nervous system. So incorporating one thing into your day that helps you downshift is so important. Number four, the 80% rule. So they studied the way that these groups ate food and really their relationship to food, and what they found was no surprise here. No one restricting, dieting, binging, crash eating, crash dieting. No, they all just intuitively ate, and they didn't overeat. So the 80% rule, they stopped when they were 80% full. They ate what they want. Um, I'll get into the specific types of food because that's number five. But it wasn't necessarily what they ate, it was how. And how we eat, not what we eat, I would say is a super strong predictor of if we have a happy or an angry nervous system. You can eat all the kale in the world, but if you eat kale, when you are in a stress response, if you're worried, distracted, if your body's just not having it, you're almost guaranteed digestion problems and your gut and the mucus in the stomach won't effectively absorb the nutrients from the kale. 
So I like this one because it's it puts the emphasis on not what but how we eat and building that interceptive awareness to stop at 80%. But if you're not really in tune with your body, if you don't really understand its cues, stopping at 80% might sound very challenging. Number five, plant slant. So we've all heard that eating plants for the most part in your diet is effective and really important. And here's some evidence. These pockets of people um, mate, ate mainly plants. They did incorporate meat, but they said it was only on average uh, around five times per month. So again, I think this does go to intuitive eating and really checking in with what makes our bodies feel the best and has the most energy. And this does not include dieting, overeating, binge eating, because that throws our brain into a state of distress and we can feel really threatened and that wreaks havoc on our nervous system. So number five is eat mainly plants. And then six, this one's hilarious, wine at five. This is truly one of the parameters. I don't know how because I've been reading so much on how alcohol disrupts the nervous system and especially disrupts hormone functioning. But this is why I loved this study. They have found that people in all blue zones, so every single blue zone except the Adventists, which is no shocker, they drink alcohol moderately and regularly. What? Crazy. And they even they even go as far to say moderate drinkers outlive non-drinkers. What? <laughs> they say the trick is to drink one to two classes per day with friends and or with food. All right, a few uh, qualifiers here. I really looked into this one and it led me to do more research and reading. And I, I believe this goes back to it's not what, it's not the alcohol, it's the how. It's how these people and these groups of people enjoyed the alcohol. So drinking high quality wine that wasn't like blasted with sugar additives was a strong signal of safety for their bodies because it was so enjoyable and there was so much pleasure from it. So they paired it with delicious food or they were with friends for a happy hour. And what we know from neuroscience is that when we are with others in relationship, joyful relationships or joyfully engaging, our brains are the happiest. It is the best natural medicine to be with people we love in a joyful environment. So I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. This is just a hypothesis here. I don't think it was the actual wine, although there might be some of you that say the enzymes in wine does play a factor. But I really believe that the wine was consumed in a state of regulation and safety. And so the body enjoyed the wine and it wasn't something that was coded as threatening. 
I know a lot of people who have issues with drinking alcohol or they drink alcohol when they're stressed. That will land completely differently in the body and in the nervous system. Using alcohol to help regulate our nervous system and not relationships or not food or activity, that can be damaging. Are you as interested in this as I am? I love it. Okay, number seven, belong. So having a faith-based community was really, really important for all of these pockets. And they didn't necessarily find that it was a specific denomination. It was just belonging to a group, a faith-based group. And they said, this will add on average four to 14 years of your life expectancy. So let's look at this one through the lens of a happy nervous system. Why is this? It goes back to relationships. So when we, when our mind and our brain feels supported and held by people who we know will be there for us, will love us, will support us, we can care, share, so give care and receive care. That is such a strong sign and signal to our nervous systems that we are safe. So I really think it's this is all about the relationships. And then also there's a lot of studies done on how believing in a higher power and having faith and even a practice like prayer can help your mental health because you feel like you're taken care of, you're protected, and this helps the brain not launch into fight or flight as quickly. Two more. So number eight, it's they say loved ones first. This was also fascinating. So keeping aging parents and grandparents nearby or in the home lowers disease and mortality rates of children in the home and it helps the entire family's well-being and how they relate to each other. They also said committing to a life partner can add up to three years of life expectancy and investing in your children with time and love um, will help them have better outcomes. So number eight, loved ones first. I think here it's really just a focus on the family and keeping family members close. This one might make some of you cringe, the thought of living with your parents or having grandparents in the home, especially if there's dysfunction in your family. But yet again, we return to the power of relationships and how that really helps our mind, our bodies, and our nervous systems feel safe. I think there are definitely some qualifiers on this one because toxic relationships, keeping those around can do more harm and definitely make you feel less safe. But bringing those you love, the ones who bring you joy, especially older people with more wisdom, bringing them close and around the the kids, of course, that's going to help everyone's level of joy, which directly impacts having a happy nervous system. Okay, you made it to the last one, number nine, right tribe. And there's a theme here. Are you noticing how important relationships are? So for Right Tribe, they say um, the world's longest lived people chose social circles that supported healthy behaviors. So this looked a little different in each of the different groups and in the cultures. 
that these social networks were really, really, really important. And not only did they, I I think these groups help you feel safer, they help shape healthy behaviors. And this was an important part um, of this last, last qualifier, number nine. So when we are with people who uplift us, we are like them. So I think you've heard the phrase that we are the sum of, I think the top five, six people we hang out around the most. And this is because of how our brains work and something called mirror neurons. We truly will become more like the people we are around. And so having a group of people, a social network, whether this is friends or family, that you look up to, that you think are amazing people, that will motivate you to do better and to be better, is extremely important and just helps you become a better human. And ironically, this helps you live longer. And this, they shared some research from a specific study that showed that smoking, obesity, and happiness, and even loneliness are contagious. So again, who we're with and what they're doing, behaviors are contagious. So being aware of what the behaviors of your tribe are and choosing or maybe attracting a tribe that has healthier behaviors is really important. All right, you did it. Those are the nine, the power nine of the blue zones. I hope you got a lot from this episode. Um, But again, this is really exciting. Having a happy nervous system not only helps you have a happier life, it helps you live longer. So we are designed for joy. We are designed to feel good in our bodies and not endure stress and pushing through stress every day of our lives. I just want to keep preaching on this message because I think we are just addicted to the stress cycle and engaging in activities and habits that not only don't feel good and can be painful, but that we don't enjoy. So my challenge to you after listening to this is to really think about the areas in your life that you're not freaking enjoying. Is it hobbies? Is it killing yourself cooking for your family when you don't even enjoy cooking? Is it cooking more and you're just eating out too much? Is it rethinking the job you hate and you know isn't the right job for you? So take some time, reflect, think of maybe one of these nine areas that you can improve. And I would love to hear from you if this spoke to you. So shoot me a DM on Instagram, roya.wellness. I would love to hear from you. And you can always check out um, the Happy Nervous System course over at royawellness.com, R-O-Y-A, wellness.com. And this course was really designed to help you master having a happy nervous system. It's short, but to the point, I've gotten some really, really good feedback from it so far. So I'd love to have you take the course and join the fam. Alrighty, have a beautiful day and I will see you next week.